And as we do so, we're going to contemplate the journeys that Jesus, Judas, Peter, and the priests took on that first Good Friday so many years ago. We'll contemplate their journeys and we'll contemplate the choices that they had to make. Choices that are really not very different from the choices we get to make on a daily basis. Choices about what path we're going to follow. The path of light or the path of darkness. We're going to be looking at passages that may be familiar to many of us. And the risk of looking at familiar passages is we tend to just gloss over them, thinking that we know everything that they have to say to us. But tonight, as we journey through those passages, I would challenge us to step back. Step back in time to the events of those 24 hours from sunset on Thursday to sunset on Friday, and consider them as Jesus and Judas and Peter and the priests would have considered them. Consider them as if we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And so as we prepare to embark on our journey together, I invite you to please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house to remember to remember the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf so that we can come before you. I pray that you would be our guide through this night and on these journeys. I pray that you would teach us what we do not know, that you would show us what we need to see. We thank you for your Son, through whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In his name we pray, amen. So the stage for the journey that we're going to take tonight was set thousands of years before that first Good Friday. And that first Good Friday is a night which I don't actually think any of the original participants would have termed good at all. And in fact, the stage for this journey was set in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine a light on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. We live in a dark world. We lead dark lives. But God is light. And God was not content to leave us in darkness. And so he came 
He stepped into our darkness to bring us light. And once we have seen him, once we have beheld his glory, the only response we can possibly have is to worship him. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. The world did not recognize Jesus. The disciples did not recognize Jesus. And as they gathered together that night to celebrate the Passover, Christ is trying one final time to help the disciples to see him clearly. He's trying to prepare the disciples for something that they couldn't bring themselves to imagine or comprehend. As they gather around the table together, he's showing them through himself the path of light. And he's warning them about all the paths of darkness that will be calling out to distract them, that will be calling out for their attention. They were each going to have a decision to make that night a decision about what path they were going to follow. It's a decision that we're faced with each day, so let's see what we can learn from the disciples. I wonder what the disciples expected that night as they gathered around the table to celebrate the Passover. They had arrived in Jerusalem for the celebration. They were looking back and remembering that first Passover when God brought them out of Egypt and rescued them. And they had this growing expectation and anticipation for a new exodus that they hoped Christ would lead them into. And nothing had happened since the triumphal entry on Sunday that had done anything to diminish their expectations. In fact, Everything that Jesus had done over the past four days could be interpreted as further evidence, further proof, further steps that he was taking towards the coronation that they hoped for. He had cleansed the temple. He had been engaging in a growing debate with the religious leaders. He was teaching with greater and greater clarity about his coming kingdom He had forecasted the destruction of the temple and of those who would not put their faith in him. He had been anointed at a dinner party, event after event, confirming for the disciples what they had hoped would be true. And so as they gathered for this celebration, they gathered with a growing expectation of what was to come, all of them except one, all of them except Judas, because Judas had a growing expectation of something else that only he 
knew would happen. We see Judas felt like his position on Jesus' team was becoming a little precarious. Just a few nights before, when they were in Bethany, Judas had been rebuked by Christ. And he's upset because he was publicly shamed. And he recognizes, as he sees what's going on, this growing battle between Jesus and the priests. And Judas isn't so certain about what the outcome's going to be. So Judas decides to ensure the outcome and in the process make sure that he has a place on the winning team. So Judas goes and strikes a deal with the Pharisees. He gets money, he'll get a position, and he's going to get to get, take revenge against Christ for publicly humiliating him. But Judas still has a final choice. He has one more chance. And as they sat around the table that night, Jesus became troubled in spirit. And he said, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. And Jesus said to him, what you are about to do, do quickly. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. It was night. Judas chose the path of darkness. Judas chose the path that he thought was going to lead him to power. Judas chose the path of retribution instead of reconciliation. How often do we make choices doing the math just like Judas did, doing the math about whether following the path of light is going to put us on the winning team, doing the math about whether the path of light will make us more popular or might turn us into an outcast, doing the math about whether following the path of light will help us get ahead at work or at school. Judas had a choice. He didn't have to take the bread from Christ. Christ warned him. Christ tried to give him one last opportunity to choose the path of light. But Judas was already so blinded, already so committed to the path that he had chosen, that he reaches out and takes the bread from Christ, and he seals his fate. Judas chose his path. But what about the others? After Judas leaves, Christ turns his attention to the other 11. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter, Peter says he will follow. He says he will follow Jesus, but he still doesn't understand where Jesus is going. 
he still doesn't recognize that Jesus is taking a very different path than he expects him to. Peter boldly proclaims that he will follow Jesus. But is he really willing to follow him where Jesus is going? Or is he only willing to follow him if Jesus is going where Peter wants him to go? Jesus warns Peter, but Peter has not equipped himself to follow the path of light. Peter is self-assured. Peter is prideful. As they leave the table that night, Peter thinks he's choosing the path of light. But the path that Peter has chosen is not the path that Jesus is walking down. How often do we think that we're choosing the path of light when we're really just choosing a path that we have decided is a path of light? Have we decided to follow Jesus? Are we willing to follow him to where he is going? Are we only willing to follow him where we want him to go? An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. He said, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus had warned Peter and the other disciples. He had set the example for them in the garden. He had shown them how to equip themselves for the path of light. He told them to pray, but they were tired. Certainly they thought sleep was going to be the most beneficial thing for them, wasn't it? While he was still speaking to them, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man? With a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. For Judas, it was personal, it was payback. This is his I told you so to Jesus. And it's a replay of the original scene in the Garden of Eden when the serpent thinks that it's outsmarted God. In this garden, Judas thinks that he's outsmarted Jesus. And what do we think? 
Peter seeks a fight instead of a sacrifice. Because in Peter's mind, kings fight. They don't sacrifice themselves. Peter is fighting for the Messiah that he wants. Not recognizing that the Messiah he needs must sacrifice himself. Are we fighting? Or are we willing to sacrifice? And the priests, they come at night when there won't be witnesses around to see their deceit. And they took Jesus to the high priests and all of the chief priests, the elders and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. So they got many to testify falsely against him, but their statements did not agree with each other. And then someone stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say that he would destroy the temple made with human hands, and in three days he would build another one not made with hands. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, Jesus said. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. At this, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy. And the guards took him out and beat him. The priests came together that night to hatch their plan. They do their work when there are the least number of witnesses possible to see what they're doing. They work in the shadows so that they can prepare to manipulate others during the day. They were committed to their rules and committed to their rituals, but they're not committed to truth. And when they're challenged, they respond with intimidation. They respond to truth with intimidation, seeking to intimidate Jesus. And as the priests are interrogating him, who is watching? Peter. He had decided to follow Jesus. In fact, Peter was the only one who followed. But did he really follow? 
A servant girl saw Peter seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine meeting eyes with Jesus in that moment? Peter had taken his eyes off of Christ and instead focused on the circumstances that surrounded him. Just like when he had walked on the water, he became overwhelmed by the waves and he began to drown. Peter came expecting a coronation, not a trial. Peter was prepared to follow Jesus into a fight, but not into a beating. And so Peter hides in the darkness of the courtyard cowering in fear. Maybe he's thinking that he's saving himself to fight for Jesus another day, only to recognize that he had already lost the fight, recognizing that he had chosen the wrong path to walk down. And very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. And so they bound Jesus, and they led him away, and they handed him over to Pilate. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse And he returned the money to the priests. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple, and he left. And he went away, and he hanged himself. What happens at daybreak? What happens is the sun begins to rise and light once again begins to shine into darkness. The light is revealing. It can be comforting, but it can also be blinding and condemning. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted up to his lips. When he received the voice, the drink, Jesus said with a loud cry, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the creator dies, the creation goes dark. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, He said, surely this man was the Son of God. The Pharisees think they have won. The disciples think they have lost. But the centurion is the only one who views the cross as proof. He's the only one who views the cross as a light. What do we see as we look at the cross? Stand with us as we sing when I survey the wondrous cross. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. The world did not recognize Jesus. The disciples did not recognize Jesus. As they gathered together that night to celebrate the Passover, Christ was trying one final time to help the disciples to see him clearly. As they gathered around the table, he was showing them the path of light. And he was warning them, about the paths of darkness that would be calling out to distract them. 
the disciples each had to choose. We each have to choose. The choice to accept Christ is a choice we only have to make once. But the choice to follow him, the choice to follow his path of light, and not just paths we want to be paths of light, is a choice that we each have to make on a daily basis. Through the cross and his example, Christ has shown us how. He's given us the example to follow, but we must choose to follow. We must choose to walk in light. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. As we come to the table tonight, we must each make a choice. We must choose to leave the paths of darkness we are walking on. We must choose to leave the path of pride, the path of power, the path of fear, the path of revenge, the path of self, the path of failure. We must choose to leave whatever paths of darkness we have been walking down we must choose instead to walk in the path of light. To symbolize that choice tonight, we invite you to come to the cross, to come to the table by walking down the outer aisles, which are bathed in red, symbolizing darkness. And as you come to the table, we invite you to leave behind whatever paths of darkness you've been walking down. Take the elements and walk back down the center path of light. As you've had time to contemplate, we invite you to take the elements on your own or together with those you've come with. If you've come with someone tonight who doesn't feel comfortable walking up, is unable to, we have plates where you can bring the elements to them. The stations on the outside are regular bread. The one in the center is gluten-free for those who have gluten issues. Let me pray for us as we come towards the table. Heavenly Father, we confess before you the paths of darkness that we walk. We confess that we have not chosen to walk in the path you've shown us. And we repent of that. We acknowledge that it is our choices 
that you went to the cross for. It is our choices of darkness that you sacrificed yourself for. It is our choices of darkness that you took upon yourself to pay the price that we could never pay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. When you're ready, I invite you to come to the table. It is finished. It is done. The power of death and darkness defeated by his blood. As we walk out tonight, let's choose to walk in the path of light. We invite you to walk out quietly and reflectively. And then let's join back together on Sunday to celebrate him who rose again victorious, almighty God of love, almighty God with us. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, to him be honor in eternal dominion forever. Go in peace.